Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Oh, if you're a lousy, stinking gator, you are not going to like the way we're starting today's program because one of those players, and there are many of them, of which there are many, players in the Georgia roster that Georgia has taken from Florida, a lot of praise for him right now, and I think it does set us up to sort of begin that look at what makes this 2024 season for Georgia so much fun, so enjoyable, same results, same expectations perhaps for UG of this upcoming season, but a lot of new faces in order to help get that done. The guy I want to talk about right now is running back Trevor Etienne. And the belief that Trevor Etienne can be a very big impact player for Georgia in kind of a new look Georgia backfield. And frankly, a little bit of a reinvented Georgia offense, obviously kind of post-Brock Bowers. We've talked a lot about Lad McConkey this week, post-Lad McConkey. There are some playmakers we've gotten very used to seeing doing big things for Georgia. They're not going to be here anymore, so the need to figure out what's next is an important part of the offseason conversation here for Georgia, and there is growing belief that a big part of what is next for Georgia does include the former Florida Gator Trevor Etienne. Let me show you this from our friends over at CBS Sports. Will Backus is the writer on this. They were high highlighting transfers for each of the SEC teams. And Backus had some very strong things to say about Etienne. I'm going to kind of read the whole thing to you here uh, just for a moment, just to sort of set up exactly how impressed uh, CBS is with Etienne's rival to Georgia. Uh, Backus saying that Georgia is very selective in the transfer portal. That's definitely true. Uh, He goes on to say you can afford to be that when you recruit and retain talent at an elite level like Kirby Smart has done. That's also true as well. Backus goes on to say, but the Bulldogs are set to lose their two top rushers and Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton. And though there's some young talent in that room, that's still a lot of production to replace. Backus goes on to say at CBSSports.com, so it's a huge thing that UGA was able to entice Trevor Etienne, the number two running back in the 24-7 sports transfer rankings, to take his talents from rival Florida to Athens, Georgia. Backus goes on to say that Etienne is an electric playmaker. Now, first of all, don't you love the idea of that? Georgia could use all the electric playmakers it can get. If you want to, you know, frankly, score more points against Alabama in the SEC championship or kind of be back in the national championship conversation, we've pointed out many times before, in 2022, when Georgia won the national championship, Georgia had more plays of 20 or more yards offensively than any team in America. They had 98 of those in 2022. How do you get back to that? You bring electric playmakers from the program, which is what Will Backus from CBS Sports describes Trevor Etienne as being. He goes on to say that he's got a knack for making would-be tacklers miss in open space. He averaged almost six yards per carry in his two seasons as a Gator, and he gives the Bulldogs some lightning to go alongside their more thunderous options like the 240-pound rising sophomore Roderick Robinson. So that once again, that's Will Backus from CBSSports.com, and it is probably true that there is a degree to which that Georgia the last couple of years has probably in the sort of old cliche of you know running backs, thunder and lightning, Georgia has probably, if we're being honest, over-indexed a little bit on the thunder part and probably underserved us a little bit when it comes to the lightning part of that. If we're just being honest, that's kind of probably been the profile of the Georgia running back room overall. 
So bringing in someone like Etienne, who can be the lightning version of that duo, uh, no matter who he's paired with, whether it be Robinson or Branson Robinson or you know whoever else, uh, bringing in someone who can kind of provide the lightning to be the explosive playmaker, whatever it was that he also said there, that's probably a really good and valuable thing that Georgia running backs coach Dell McGee has found a way to add into what is going to be sort of a new look running back room overall. Now, speaking of McGee, he also kind of had his own uh, sort of description of uh, Etienne going back to Miami in the Orange Bowl. This was around that time when you know Etienne was sort of first announcing and George was trying to stay focused on the game and trying to figure out whose paperwork is clear and things like that. So overall, McGee and really nobody else wanted to talk all that much about any of the transfers, but Dell did offer this up as to why a guy like this could be valuable for the program. This is going back to Miami. I think it just provides leadership. He's played in this league. He's been very productive. I mean, you all watch the tape. He's, he's, he's a very good player. You can indeed watch the tape and see that for yourself. And as McGee said, productive at the SEC level, and that's what the CBS guy also mentioned there as well. You know, he's ninth in the SEC in rushing last year. He had 753 yards in the season, did average 5.75 yards per carry. Uh, and he also had eight touchdowns there on the ground too. So you're bringing in a guy who I think has a you know reasonable case to make to be George's leading rusher here for this particular season. But I want to expand this beyond that uh, just for a minute. I want to expand this beyond just the obvious. Hey, this is a guy who's you know in a couple of years in the SEC had some success on the ground and could do more of that. Frankly, running behind a much better offensive line in Georgia. I want to expand this beyond to what else could Trevor Etienne do for UGA? And this is where I can't help but think back on something that Kirby Smart said, was it about a year or so ago, you know, a couple summers ago, whenever this was, about the way in which Georgia views the running back position overall. And Georgia, who in so many ways is kind of an NFL factory, guys who play at Georgia at all positions really have justifiable NFL aspirations. Most of them move on to have an NFL career. And the running back position at Georgia is going to be no different. And when you look on Sundays, we've got a Super Bowl here coming up with the likes of Christian McCaffrey and players like that. When, when you look on Sundays about what the running back position is, it's not just three yards in a cloud of dust. It's not just running between the tackles and trying to get whatever you can get, hard yards on the ground. There is also a nature to which the running back position has become more about the explosive stuff and more about being able to be a weapon in the passing game as well. And as Georgia cultivates all of its players at every position group to be future NFL stars, running back is going to be no different, which means that's what Georgia wants to see from its own running backs as well. This is what Kirby Smart said a couple of summers ago about that very point. Weapon by how you receive the ball out of the backfield. They want to grow at that. They want to be able to um, showcase their talents catching the ball out of the backfield. So the NFL asks about can he catch the ball out of the backfield? Can he be a third down back? Well, we, we like to grow NFL backs here. So to do that, you got to use them in the passing game. So that is what Georgia wants to be. They want to be the kind of program that doesn't just have really good running backs, but also has those running backs in the passing game as well, making them weapons there too. And this is one of those moments where I think that you could really add that for Etienne. And if you're looking to see Georgia find a capable way of replacing a Brock Bowers, to find a capable way to replace some of these playmakers that are getting ready to move on, seeing what Etienne can do in this fast of the offense, I think becomes a really important thing. In fact, you go back and look at him a year ago, 
21 receptions for Etienne at Florida. That's more than Georgia's leading receiving running back last season, which was Dejon Edwards, who had 20 catches, but perhaps a little bit more of a projection of what he could be. Go back to the 2022 season for a moment. That's when Kenny McIntosh had 43 catches for Georgia in that national championship season. And we all know that McIntosh was one of Georgia's most important players that season. Is it all that much of a stretch for a player like Etienne, who's drawing the kind of praise that CBS is giving him? Is it all that much of a stretch to say that Trevor Etienne could do those kinds of things for Georgia here this year? I don't think it is. I think that's very much not just a possibility. It may very well be an expectation. Uh, CBS called Etienne's transfer to Georgia. They say it's a huge thing. They talk about him as an explosive playmaker. Uh, Dale McGee says, you watch the highlights, you see that for yourself. Every one of us, I think we would agree, we like what we see for Trevor Etienne. We know Georgia has a need for more capable playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. And every indication we have right now is that is exactly what Trevor Etienne sets up to be. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Mary Weather and Tharp, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us. We start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app. Then we're 10 a.m. after that across all video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, everything else. Radio, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, uh, podcast, all of the various platforms. Just really happy to have you with us as a part of our program today. It's been so much fun doing the show live again here this week. Such a great thing there. And so thankful to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make all of this possible. And Meriwether and Tharp is also your source for Georgia divorce. Now, we've been saying this now for a long time, and Meriwether and Tharp here in 2024 is showing you just how true that is, really expanding their offerings and their services the great care they've shown for folks in the Atlanta area for such a long time. They are preparing to do that across the entire state of Georgia here right now. Offices opening in Savannah. You got an office coming soon in Athens. You got some really, uh, I think, important uh, extensions of the uh, service that Meriwether and Tharp is already providing. And I am very proud of that because I know how challenging, how scary the divorce process can be. And As I've said before, if I could sort of wave a magic wand and take that away from the folks in my audience, obviously that is what I'd want to do. I can't do that, but the next best thing I can do for you is put you in touch with an advocate who's going to walk alongside you on this journey. And right now, one of the most important things I believe that Meriwether and Tharp can do for you as it relates to all of this is give you a little bit of cost certainty about how this process is going to play out. Because among the list of questions you might have, you know, the how much is this going to cost me is obviously a part of that. And Meriwether and Tharp, I think, has a lot of creative ways they're able to offer that for you. They've got a kind of a range of options here. You know, you perhaps look at your situation and say, this is pretty simple. This is pretty straightforward. And if that's the circumstance you find yourself in, there's a DIY option for Meriwether and Thought that you might find to be uh, very affordable. You can do that for as low as $99. You can also get the M&T assisted model, which can be as low as $1,749. Or if you want something that's a little bit more hands-on, they have what they call the model M&T level of service, which I think is uh, perhaps the most popular offering they have right now. Uh, you can get the payment plan there on that. So you can do that as sort of like a subscription type situation. 
kind of paying per month as your divorce process is playing out. You can also do that as a flat fee if that's what you prefer there as well. Trying to be a little bit more forward thinking, a little bit more, I think, innovative in terms of providing one of the most important things for you as you go through the divorce process, which is some really key cost certainty. That's what Meriwether and Tharp is all about, trying to think about you and just trying to make a tough situation that much easier. It's why I you know, provide them a hearty recommendation if you find yourself dealing with the divorce process. So please find them online. It's georgiadivorceteam.com. That's the website, georgiadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, two great guests for us coming up here in a couple of minutes. It's the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, before we're done today. And it's the former Georgia wide receiver, Terrence Edwards, coming up in just a minute. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse and I want to follow up on something that we were discussing a little bit yesterday, and that is the, I think, the advertisement that Georgia is providing for itself in Mobile, Alabama, where the Senior Bowl is taking place. And we've had great coverage from Dog Nation there. Our Mike Griffith, who joined us yesterday, is there. Kaylee Manzel is on hand, too, providing some of the video coverage. We'll have more of that coming up later on today on the Dog Nation video channels. Looking forward to that. Another check-in from Mobile on all of that. One of the things we talked about yesterday was when you see what Ladd McConkey's done thus far and the fact that McConkie is just earning so much buzz from so many of the draft analysts who are on hand, and it really kind of, I think, reinvigorates the conversation that's taking place around Ladd about this was a guy who came to Georgia with, like, Really, no accolades whatsoever. You know, almost no one even thought McConkie could even be a major college prospect, much less at a place like Georgia. And yet, ultimately, when McConkie's been healthy for UGA, including national championship seasons, he's really proven to be one of Georgia's most trusted and dependable playmakers. It's an amazing story of, we said, Georgia's ability to scout and see in players at times what other programs have been incapable of seeing. And as we've also said, that McConkie is not the only player at the Senior Bowl from Georgia for whom that sort of seems to be true. Another guy on the other side of the ball that I think you would also say that about is the safety Javon Bullard. You know, Bullard kind of played at an MVP level for Georgia. Obviously, the the famous moment where he separated the football from Marvin Harrison Jr., which obviously made the Peach Bowl a little easier to win for UGA. But Bullard was also a, just a massive player throughout the postseason in 2022, really became an incredible player. And his own journey to get from relative obscurity as a recruit to that kind of performance at the highest level of college football, in its own right, that was kind of a major accomplishment. So it's sort of a follow-up to what we were saying yesterday about Ladd McConkey's journey from where he started to where he is now. Bullard's kind of the same thing. And I want to go back to that Monday, or I guess it would have been a Tuesday morning, that Tuesday morning after the 2022 National Championship game where Kirby Smart was kind of talking about that. We talked yesterday about, about what Smart has said about Georgia's ability to scout and sort of see the intangible value in addition to the obvious you know tangible measurements that are clearly important for every football player seeing beyond that as well Kirby talked about that as it related to Javon Bullard to set us up for where we want to go today let me let you hear Kirby going back to early January of 2022 the ability part it's important it's not to be diminished but sign the right mental makeup and get people that can develop. And how do you measure that, right? Like, like, like you can't measure that just on a phone conversation. This guy was sending in videos out in his backyard. You know, he's, he's got a military background. And when you've got a military background, you probably got some toughness and some, some makeup about you that makes you the right way. And we, we've been fortunate to make some good decisions on kids that maybe other programs 
didn't value their uh, intangibles enough. I'm telling you, I really like that a lot. And for me, it goes beyond just the Javon Bullard part of this. It goes beyond uh, all of that, the specific draft prospects of one player or the specific win to turn a prospect like this into such a important part of the overall formula. This goes beyond you know, so much of that, and it becomes about how it is that George is able to maintain its chemistry. Y'all, we'll talk more about this briefly before we're done, but there is chaos abounding in college football right now. You got coaches leaving, you got players moving about. You know, most of the time, most programs are spending every minute they have just trying to hold all of this together and to keep it from unraveling. And I'm not telling you that behind the scenes, Georgia doesn't have to do its own version of that from time to time. Uh, there's an extent to which that's probably true. What I am saying, though, is is that the value that Georgia puts on the intangible part of this and the extra work that it does to sort of seek out guys who can be a positive fit to the team culture overall, every minute that Georgia has spent doing that has been a minute well spent because of the rewards they're able to reap later on because of that. And Javon Bullard is certainly a tremendous example. And it's fun to hear Kirby speaking about Bullard there the way that he did after the national championship game in 2022. And then with Javon Bullard there on hand at the uh, Senior Bowl in Mobile this week, Bullard also had some nice words to say about Kirby Smart, who did stop by, kind of watch some of the proceedings from Mobile here this week. And Bullard was talking to RMI Griffith about what it means to have Kirby there and just kind of what it means to sort of take that next step to move on from Georgia and move towards the NFL. This is really good stuff from yesterday from Javon Bullard, take a look and listen to all of this. Um, and it's huge, man. It's huge, and really just uh, thankful for him and him being in my life, man. And uh, really just all the tips and knowledge that he's given me, and just being a, a wonderful uh, coach for me, man. I appreciate him. How does it feel to be, I guess, away from Georgia? I mean, I think of you as such a program guy, just being in the middle of all of it, you know. And, and suddenly you're detached from a place that you guys give so much to. Is it? Has it felt a little odd not to be in? In, in that regimen, I guess, would probably be the, the best word. I mean, it's definitely hard, man. It's definitely hard. I'm a Georgia boy through and through, man. and I love Georgia. Um, I gave my all to Georgia, man, and they, and they give me nothing but love in return. And um, But, you know, um, the chap, that chap is over in my life, and, you know, I'm looking forward to bigger and better things. I appreciate everything that they've done for me, all the fans, all the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations that we went through together, and all the great accomplishments that we had also, man. I'm just extremely blessed and grateful. Blessed and grateful is what Javon Bullard says he is for his time at UGA. I know Georgia fans feel the very same way about him. It's fun to watch, you know, these guys kind of move on to that next phase. You remember when they were, you know, just starting out as UGA players. You remember when they were just sort of figuring out their way around a college campus. In the case of Bullard, had to work hard just to get on Georgia's radar. But all that hard work is paying off. He's moving on to the NFL. And as he does so, and as he builds what I think can be a very successful NFL career and making himself a very attractive NFL draft prospect, he is also demonstrating some very special things about Georgia in the process on all of that. And that is Around the Doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. All right, why don't we do this here for a moment? Because it seems like we got some stuff going on. Let's go ahead and kind of flip flop our guests here a little bit if we're able to do this. Let's bring on Jake Fromm right now. We'll uh, try to catch up with Terrence Edwards a little bit later on, then we'll see if we can figure out uh, if everything's okay on the streaming side of this there as well. So, how about a chance to move ahead and do a Kroger Fresh Take with uh, Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily today? You'll like this, and then Terrence Edwards a little bit later on. Thanks for being with us, everybody.
And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger fresh take as we welcome in the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, kind enough to join us. So, Jake, uh, you're kind of fully into your offseason here a little bit, or your sort of, I guess, process of, you know, uh, preseason workouts, things like that. How's that going for you here thus far? Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know what? To be honest, I uh, haven't really thought much of football here the last couple weeks. Good. Uh, just getting back from a duck hunt trip in Arkansas. Um, got a baby shower coming up, wow. and uh, then we'll start uh, turning the wheels and getting back to football. So, uh, got to give give yourself a little bit of a break, and and uh, that way you can get back and hit it hard and be ready. That's important for athletes at all levels, right? You know, the idea that we hear this sometimes in youth sports. You know, you can't really do the same thing twelve months out of the year. You kind of need to give your body and your mind a break. And I would say that for professional sports, there's probably a degree to which that's also true as well, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, for myself. I, uh, I, when, when I'm in, in football mode, man, I, I hit it hard and, and I'm, I'm ready to roll, but, um, man, getting a, a break and a little bit of slip away, uh, always helps, uh, helps my mind kind of, kind of get better and get focused. And, um, it just makes me feel like I can get focused even better during the season. One of the things we've been watching this week is what's been going on in Mobile, Alabama, where the Senior Bowl is taking place. And in the early portion of the week, a guy that's earned a lot of buzz is Lad McConkey. Lad's a guy that you and I have talked about before, but how much does it thrill you to see here, you know, for a guy that battled some injury, but also when healthy showed how good of a football player you could be at Georgia, the fact that he really now seems to be impressing these NFL scouts at the highest possible level. How much fun is that for you to see? Man, I I, uh, I love it. I love Lad McConkey. Uh, great football player, great dude. And um, I, I think a place like the Senior Bowl is uh, even more beneficial for him um, just, just because coaches are able to, to be around him uh, and see his approach to the game and how he approaches the day-to-day processes. Um, and I think all he needs is an opportunity to uh, go against uh, some top-tier, top-notch guys uh, over and over. Uh, and I think he'll kind of show the uh, show the league what he's made of and, and how he's able to uh, make plays even at the next level. So since Kirby Smart's been the Georgia coach, going back to your era as a player and since then, there's always going to be a lot of elite recruits and big-time names, and yet there's also guys like Ladd who – very unheralded coming out of high school. Javon Bullard was a little bit like that. Bullard's also at the Senior Bowl here right now, too. What do you make of the fact that Georgia, in addition to getting the elite recruits, also seems to be really good at kind of finding players that other programs either didn't notice or didn't properly scout or whatever the story is? How does Georgia find these diamonds in the rough like what Lad McConkey kind of became for the dogs? Yeah, so I think it's a, a tale of two halves. I think it's um, from the recruiting perspective – um, it, it's impressive to be able to find these guys who are under the radar and who are really good football players and may have a, a really, really high ceiling. Well, on the flip side of that, um, you have to also be really good at developing talent as well. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, you know, may or may not have been a knock on, on Kirby in the past of not being able to develop talent. Um, that, uh, to me, I, I don't see it. I, I think he, uh, he develops talent as good or better than anybody else. Um, at, you know, another example, Adam McConkey, Monty Rice, and, and plenty of other guys that you could go down the list of who, who showed up 
and got better at Georgia and ended up having, um, you know, getting drafted very high and having a lot of success in the, in the National Football League. It wasn't that long ago that you were in the same position a lot of these Georgia players are right now going through the pre-draft process. How stressful is that, both in terms of you hear rumors, you want to impress the organizations, you're kind of maybe hearing this, this could happen, this team may take you there, and you're trying to figure out what to believe and trying to trust the right people. As a player, what is that like, these Georgia players currently going through all of that? Yeah, for me, the draft process, like there is there is nothing like that. Everything about you is scrutinized. Um, I, whatever you do, well, somebody else will have an opinion about it, mm-hmm. how you brush your teeth how you eat meals, whatever it is, somebody's going to have an opinion about it and it's either going to help you be a good football player or it's not going to help you be a football, a good football player. So um, it's a, it's an intense process. Uh, It's, it's one where it'll wear you out mentally and emotionally as much as physically. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a a lot of uh, meeting of people and uh, you're just, you're just trying to be the best version of you um, for the, for the next, uh, two, three months until the, to the NFL draft. I want to finish with this, and I realize you're not currently in a college program, but you obviously you know, still have a lot of friends around these programs, and I'm sure you're spending as much time around Georgia as you possibly can. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the NCAA is investigating Tennessee again, and some of this seems to stem from what happened when Tennessee was recruiting the uh, top-flight quarterback prospect, Nico Amaleva, who may be one of the better players in the country for this upcoming season. And Tennessee's response seems to be something to the effect of, hold on, all of this stuff is legal now. Why are we getting investigated and punished for something that seemingly now is kind of fair game in the NIL age? And I guess, Jake, my question to you is, how do you think these programs are going to process like the idea of what is legal or not legal in an NIL world? And how do you go back and make sense of what happened a couple of years ago compared to what might be happening now? It seems like an incredibly confusing time to try to be a college football coach or a college, maybe even a college football recruit, perhaps. Do you think that the programs are having as much trouble kind of making sense of all of this as it perhaps seems like it sort of is from the outside? Yeah, I mean, like, what what are the rules? I like like you. I thought everything was fair game. Now, um, you know, basically do whatever you want, and anybody can can do anything. So, um, I just I find it very interesting, and uh, just for me, let's let's make the rules explicit. Let's make yeah. it clear what you can and can't do, and um, uh, just just so everybody is on the same page. Um, I think uh, from from I think everybody would like to see it. Uh, obviously, from a coach's perspective, from a fan perspective, and then two, I mean, think about the recruits and the parents mm-hmm. uh, as well who are going through the process. Um, you know, that that's a big impact and that's a big deal. So um, I, I think more clarity on the whole situation uh, is good for everybody. And I'll tell you as a quick follow-up here, the thing that's probably frustrating to the average fan is there is so little kind of on-the-record you know, facts and truth about some of this kind of stuff. Everything is speculation, and some of it's sort of wild, rampant speculation. Almost no one ever really speaks on the record about any of this, and you kind of hate the secrecy, but when you see stuff like this happen, even though Georgia fans like to see Tennessee get kicked around here, but when you see stuff like this happen, all of a sudden you kind of understand why people choose to be so secretive about this and why no one wants to confirm anything, because deep down nobody knows if this is real or fair or or, or not, and that's kind of promoting that secrecy. And I think the secret ends up making all of this just a little bit much uh, more difficult to understand for the the fans who are just trying to follow all of this yeah yeah for sure uh the waters are definitely murky and 
you know, at first everybody was proud of it, wanted to throw around big numbers, and then kind of kind of back to the old ways a little bit, uh, with just more money involved. And uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to to see it um, become a little a little bit better, a little more efficient. Well, Jake, we certainly appreciate your time as a part of the Kroger Fresh Take here today. Continue to enjoy your off season, and obviously, uh, we'll look forward to having you back here on Dog Nation Daily as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take again very soon as well. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. As always, happy to be here. Really good stuff from Jake from there, our Kroger Fresh Take. And, of course, speaking of our friends at Kroger, another good thing you can try out with them right now, it's the membership model called Kroger Boost. You can check that out online, kroger.com slash boost, and take advantage of the features and benefits that come your way when you become a Boost member. How about more time to enjoy the things you love? That's what you get when you get free grocery delivery from Kroger. And about twice the fuel points to save money on the stuff you're already buying at Kroger by helping you save some money at the pump. Always a really good thing there, as well. So find out more by checking it out online, Kroger.com slash boost for more on that today. That's Kroger.com slash boost. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Thought, we'll kind of roll from one very good guest to another. And this guest has got some great news to uh, share. So let's make sure we dive in and have this conversation right now as the former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards also joins us on the program today. And the brand new head coach there at Mount Vernon. Terrence, first of all, congratulations on a tremendous, well-deserved promotion there for you. I know what a great coach you've been at the personal level, the individual training, but also as a part of great teams, including the reigning 7A state champions in Georgia, and now moving on to uh, produce great success there for Mount Vernon and joining your brother, who's also a very successful uh, head coach here in Georgia there as well. So congratulations. you got the Mountain Vernon Athletics uh, pullover on. You're looking good <laughs> today. Uh, congratulations, and uh, how much fun has it been kind of getting started here as a head coach? Well, thank you. Thank you uh, so much. It's been fun. It's, it's uh, a lot going on right now, uh, just with the transition from uh, Milton to Mount Vernon. Um, haven't officially started yet, but I've been over uh, just meeting the players, meeting Mount Vernon community, meeting the families, and uh, I can't wait to really get started. One of the things I've loved seeing on social media the last couple of days is you guys have already had a lot of uh, you know college coaches visiting you there, and these are guys that you've obviously got great relationships with. And I know for you, both for the guys you've worked with individually, but also the players you've coached as a part of the teams you've been on, now Mount Vernon, I know for you, that's one of the most important parts, right, is kind of being that liaison that helps a prospective college player connect with these college coaches. And I'll be honest with you, that's one of those things I don't think we can get enough of in life right now because while I wasn't that kind of player, I do know players who are, and the ability to make a successful transition and feel comfortable as you go through that process, never an easy thing to do. And to have a coach like you that sort of understands the coaching part of it, but also understands the player part of it, I know that's one of those things you love imparting uh, with the teams that you're a part of. Oh, most definitely. I think that's the biggest attribute that I bring right now. It's just a, a network of coaches that I have uh, came to in contact with throughout my days as a player now as a coach that I can bring to Mount Vernon. I think that's the biggest thing. I told the players uh, during the interview process that I will get you seen if I'm elected as the next head coach at Mount Vernon. As you can see, I've kept that promise to get coaches to come by and shake the players' hands and uh, let let them realize that if you can play college football, doesn't matter what level, with single-A private, uh, you'll be able to play on that next level. Uh, So I just want to show them that it's possible and them to see that it's possible and now they can believe it's possible and that's what my job is right now let alone the x's and o's is 
giving these kids the opportunity uh, to play on the next level if they choose to do so. Al Lewis is watching us on Facebook right now. He says, good morning to the best quarterback in Waco history. Uh, so there you go, <laughs> there you go, Terrence, uh, getting some love. Uh, and people you know, maybe don't remember this, but you've said before when you were a high school player, you kind of patterned yourself after Tommy Frazier, who was doing great things in Nebraska. You know, We think of you as a wide receiver because that's what you were at Georgia. That's what you became in the professional leagues as well. But you go back to your time at Washington County down there, uh, great quarterback and really a Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame quarterback down there for Waco. Yes, you know, that's that's me. I'm a point guard and quarterback at heart. I, like I just transitioned to playing receiver because in my day, 25 years ago, uh, wow, that's that, that rings a bell. Uh, when I graduated high school, there wasn't a lot of six feet, 170-pound quarterbacks coming out. And I think today, in, t- in this today, um, with the RPO and the zone read, I definitely would stay at quarterback at that time. And I had offers to play quarterback. Uh, I tell this story all the time. Uh, that Jimbo Fisher was the my lead recruit at Auburn, and um, he wanted me to come fi- follow Damian Craig. Hmm. So I was going to play quarterback there at Auburn. I was going to play quarterback at Nebraska. Um, so I had quarterback offers just at that time. I wanted to be a professional athlete, and I thought receiver was going to be the best avenue for me to get there, and it did, and it worked out just how I would like it to work out. But in, if I was coming out in today's age, I definitely would stay that quarterback. That's certainly a fascinating story, and it's interesting to think about what might have been had uh, you made some different decisions on there. And by the way, speaking of people reaching out to us on social media, Terrence, I know you saw this the other day, I believe it was on X, where somebody was referencing Lad McConkey, the performance he's had at the Senior Bowl here thus far, and he said, as you know, you know, Terrence called this you know, a couple of years ago there on Dog Nation <laughs> Daily. Indeed you did. How much fun is it for you right now to watch a receiver that you really did have an eye on very early and see the kinds of things he's doing in Mobile this week? where, I mean, my gosh, it seems like he's making a very, very strong case for what you know he could be here at the NFL level and what he could be as a draft prospect coming up in a couple of months. How much fun has that been for you to see? I'm very uh, excited to see Ladd perform the way he's performing. Uh, I got the opportunity to work with Ladd when he was coming out of high school, and I just saw the traits, and he had the traits to be what he is today, a great route runner. Uh, soft hands, the quickness, the acceleration, everything that you need to be a, a great wide receiver. And, and you know, uh, I believe that a lot of ex-quarterbacks have the ability mm. to catch the football well because we touch the football every play. Uh, so he's been doing his thing, all the things that I thought he could do on the next level, he's doing it. And I just saw it early. Uh, he just had that mentality and he was coachable. So I just saw the traits and just knew that he was going to become this and uh, Dylan Bell is another one that I, I taught early. So uh, I, I love just watching wide receivers perform. And he was one that I saw early on and knew that he would be this type of player. So I think the obvious next question is, and you mentioned Dylan Bell, with Brock Bowers moving on, which we I think we talked about together last week, and Lad McConkey moving on, and we know how valuable Lad was when he was healthy. You know, how well positioned do you think Georgia is to kind of cultivate that next generation of playmaker? Dylan Bell probably gets first crack at all of that. But beyond that, how well set up do you think Georgia is for this right now? Well, I'm going to go ahead and put up my prediction out next year. If uh, Ra Ra Thomas could stay healthy, I think he'll probably be our leading receiver uh, because I just like the skill set that he brings. Uh, he's able to run all the routes, he's able to take the top off, and he's able to take. Uh, make the tough catches. Um, so I, I just believe uh, with a healthy Ra Ra Thomas that he could be all leader receiver. But 
I just think we have a plethora of receivers that's going to take the weight off of losing Brock Bowers. Uh, I mean, the transfers that we got in, uh, I mean, I've already been told that uh, the Vanderbilt transfer is just as fast as Arian Smith. I was like, are you sure? It was like he's just as fast as Arian Smith. So um, I'm looking forward to him. Uh, Kobe Young, I think his name is, from Miami, is a legit 6'5", 215-pound with a catch radius uh, that's out of this world. So we have a lot of talent in that room that's going to take the pressure off of losing Brock Bowers. I want to finish with this. Uh, we talked off the top of the program about some praise that Trevor Etienne is getting and, you know, explosive playmaker, things like that, stuff that you kind of already know. And the point that I sort of made is, okay, well, you see that show up in the running game, and Georgia kind of needs that with Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton leaving. But I also think back to what Kenny McIntosh was in 2022 as a really – uh, dynamic pass catcher had more than 40 catches for Georgia that season and so if Etienne is the kind of athlete that he's being kind of described as being right now is this in your mind Terrence also a guy that could be a big weapon for Georgia in the passing attack next season I mean you just think about what James Cook and Kenny McIntosh was able to do for us throughout the the national championship yeah. run that using that uh, their skill set as a receiver uh, out the backfield so we didn't have that this year. I love Kenny. I love Dejon and what they brought to the running game this year, but they didn't bring that same explosiveness uh, to the passing game. And that's one thing that uh, Bobo didn't have to his uh, to his arsenal as a, a running back that could do all those things. I can remember Kenny catching a, a ton of screen against Ohio State and taking to the house, I think, for our first score. Um, and Tra- Trevor brings that dynamic package to uh, the offense. Uh, and I also think he brings the downfield long speed that we didn't have this year. Um, I always say, you know, Kenny McIntosh could, could take a 40-yard run to the to the house. But I think Trevor could take a 60 to an 80-yard touchdown mm-hmm. run to the house. Uh, so that's a different dynamic that he's going to bring to the table that we didn't have this year. Terrence, great stuff. I appreciate your time. Sure enough, congratulations on the uh, brand-new head coaching position. We think that's well-deserved. We think you're a great addition to the ranks of head coaches here in the uh, state of Georgia. We appreciate your insight, as always, about these Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm thankful for knowing that even as a head coach, you're still going to take time to join us here in the show, which I'm really, really grateful for your time always on. So, uh, Terrence, it's great to be able to see you on video as we kind of break out a new studio here. (laughs) And uh, great to be talking some Georgia football with you. So I certainly appreciate your time. Thank you, and everyone come check us out this fall over at uh, Mount Vernon. We certainly will be doing that, Terrence. Good stuff. Thanks for your time. Thank you. take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through all right great stuff there from terrence edwards and i love what he says about when you think about what you know not just kenny mcintosh was in 2022 but what james cook was for georgia going back to 2021 uh think about what sony michelle at one point in time for georgia had been georgia the best of the dogs oftentimes seems to have that kind of hybrid style running back who can almost function if you want him to like that slot receiver and that's kind of what Kenny McIntosh became for UGA maybe that's a a version of the role that Trevor Etienne could find himself in for this upcoming season there as well fun to think about that as a possibility let me tell you what else is fun that's cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and I'll tell you we yesterday had a great meeting kind of thinking about the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. It was a lot of fun for me because this was the moment that all becomes really real. You know, we start talking about the Dog Nation cruise kind of a year in advance. And it's always kind of long-range planning until it's not. And at a certain point, it becomes a very present tense conversation. I think for me yesterday, that's sort of what the Dog Nation cruise uh, sort of became. Because the one challenge we know we have is... 
is that you know we've had such a great time uh, with Dog Nation Cruises the last couple of years, and the job in 2024 is to be bigger and better than ever. That's why we're on an Oasis-class ship, Allure of the Seas, one of the biggest uh, ever constructed. And in addition to the larger cruise ship with more fun neighborhoods and more fun entertainment options and more fun dining and uh, bar and lounge options, there's also the need for greater Dog Nation events. And yesterday, we just had a great meeting of kind of laying out all these sort of specially themed Dog Nation events that we're going to do just for the uh, UGA fans and the Dog Nation folks on board Allure of the Seas with us in April. So it really is time to sort of make your final plans here on this. And if you've been on the fence about it or if you've heard me talking about it and you've just been kind of waiting to pull the trigger, well, now is the time. Our friend Jessica Slater wants to help you out with this. Royal Caribbean believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation made even better when you use a terrific travel agent to help you plan it. She doesn't cost you anything. Royal Caribbean pays her for her expertise, making the experience good for you. So give her a call. Jessica Slater is her name, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her at jslater at dreamvacations.com. And she's got a website there, too. It's royaldogs.com, of course, spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G-S, royaldogs.com. You can find out all about that. We'll see you on board Allure of the Seas coming up in April. And, of course, I'm still basking in the glow a little bit from my time on Icon of the Seas last week. I continue to hear people all the time that come up to me, yeah, you're on Icon, tell me all about that. I had a guy in my neighborhood do that yesterday. It's just kind of fun to uh, kind of think about that. People love that cruise ship right now, so that is a lot of fun. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here right now. And I'm going to start with Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze was uh, speaking to reporters briefly yesterday, and one of the things that Freeze kind of got some questions about was the fact that Auburn did not go into the transfer portal for a quarterback here this offseason. It seems like Auburn's going to be happy to kind of have a quarterback competition that includes last year's starter, uh, Peyton Thorne, who came over from Michigan State, and some of the young guys who are part of this uh, competition here right now. What Freeze said yesterday was the Twitter world had me taking everybody, meaning every quarterback that was in the portal somehow rumored to go to Auburn. Uh, he says, I guess that's the hot thing to do right now. If a quarterback went to the portal, I started immediately getting messages. This is the one. But Free says, I actually really like our room. I wanted uh, to try to build with high school kids like Hank Brown and Walker White and uh, try to develop those guys along with obviously the experience that Peyton Thorne brings to the table. I kind of want to see that through. Here is the problem, though, and this is what Auburn fans know full well and perhaps some of those around Freeze, but they sort of knew, too. Part of the reason why every time a quarterback popped in the portal, there'd be a rumor, you know, seemingly connecting him to Auburn is because that's how bad Auburn needs a quarterback. Now, listen, Georgia fans would look at Auburn and say, we don't want you to have a quarterback. So good that you didn't take one. But it's pretty obvious that whatever Peyton Thorne was against lesser competition in the Big Ten, that's mostly the kinds of teams that Thorne played better against. That didn't really translate very well to the SEC this past season. And I think that Hugh Freeze is a good coach, and I think that by and large, I expect him to have some success at Auburn. But what has kind of slowed down his early progress after you know his kind of rookie season there with the Tigers, not a rookie in the SEC, but certainly a rookie at Auburn, what kind of slowed down his progress was they just didn't get much going from the quarterback position. And they got blown up by New Mexico State. They had the embarrassing sort of uh, you know, surrender of the touchdown at the end of the game against Alabama, which could have been the signature moment for the year. Uh, 
really just kind of an ugly first year for Hugh Freeze at Auburn. They need some sort of success to hang their hat on for 2024. And it is a very big bet to say, yeah, we'll go with a couple of young guys and Peyton Thorne. We'll have a quarterback competition involving just these guys and hope it works out well. Boy, for a guy who really needs something to happen positive for him in 2024, that's a pretty significant bet on the part of uh, of Freeze right there. All right, moving on. An interesting story that may not seem all that interesting at first blush, but boy, it's got reverberations going through college football right now. There's a guy named Jeff Halfley, and Halfley's been the Boston College head coach. And Boston College is not much, but Boston College is a you know a power coaching job. It's in the ACC. Well, Halfley has left Boston College's head coach to go be a coordinator in the NFL. And this is certainly eye-opening because even though it's the NFL, it sort of seemed as a downgrade leaving a major college head coaching position to go be an assistant coach in the NFL. And the reasons for doing so get a lot of attention. This is what Pete uh, Thamel says on Twitter about all this. Halfley's reasons for taking this coordinator job are rooted in both the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work for one of the NFL's most respected franchise. The quote here is, he wants to go coach football again in a league that's all about football, a a source told ESPN. College coaches, college coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. And it's the last part of that that probably matters the most to a lot of these coaches. It's not just the recruiting part that's always existed. It's the need to constantly, without any seeming parameters whatsoever, it's that need to constantly re-recruit your roster that I think is causing a lot of these coaches to sort of move on. Now, there's an aspect of some people are like, I don't care about Jeff Atlas. I don't care you know, where he coaches here. But you can't, I would say, completely ignore the brain drain that is going on in uh, college football right now. We see this at the top end where guys like Halfley are leaving to the NFL, which you don't often notice, but I can promise you is also true, is down at the low end, the low ranks of college coaching, you also see it there too, where guys who are a position coach at maybe some group of five school or some FCF school look around and say, you know what, I'm going back to high school. And we see this, college coaches becoming high school. We've seen this a couple of times in Georgia here over the course of the last couple of years where College coaches leave college. They come back to high school because they can make a six-figure salary. They can perhaps coach for 20, 30 years if they want to. And all of a sudden, that's becoming a more appealing life than the grind of college where you really just have you know sort of no protection from the rules here whatsoever. People are noticing that. And it may not be a big deal to some, but it is certainly seemingly a big deal to others. In fact, let me kind of give you some of this here. What some of the prominent analysts are saying about all of this. So Joel Clapp from Fox, this is a respected guy. Uh, you know, I've sort of grown to like Clapp more recently than perhaps I uh, you know, did at one point in time. Uh, this is what he said about Jeff Halfley leaving. He says, I'm really happy for him. This is clearly what he desired. Meeting with him were some of my favorite production meetings in my career. Clack goes on to say, though, I'm also deeply frustrated that college football is in the state it is where we'll continue to lose great coaches because, as uh, Joel Klatt says, our structure sucks. Uh, Kirk Kerbstreet also kind of weighing in there, too. He says college football in its current state will be seeing more and more coaches heading to the NFL. Without boundaries and regulation that makes sense, coaches get that real opportunity in the NFL, and they're going to be gone. Herbstreet says this trend is going to continue until there is a new governing body that creates a, a, a CBA, wants a collective bargaining agreement, uh, with players, entity, or a union that includes 
you know, uh, NIL transfer portal and eventually revenue sharing. Herb Street says the sport is spiraling out of control, as we know, and many of these coaches are not sticking around and waiting, just a new reality for the sport. So, Clatt, the biggest guy from Fox, Herb Street, the biggest guy from ESPN, sort of sounding the alarm right now using the Jeff Hatfley news as a uh, kind of reason to do that. And my only point is this is that I know all of this sort of is moving in the direction towards, well, you got to have collective bargaining. You got to have, you know, players classified as employees. You got to have the revenue sharing. You got to have all of that. All I'm saying is I do not believe that is necessarily the easy button that some people think that it is because unintended consequences do exist and complex systems cannot be easily manipulated and then control the outcome of the manipulation that you participate in. That's just not quite the way things work. The one thing I've always wished is that people could just sort of see then the sort of, you know, silos of sports, you've got sports that are sort of obviously amateur. Think about what, like, say, the U.S. amateur golf tournament used to be. Uh, you've got sports that are obviously professional, sort of like what the NFL kind of is. And you've got college athletics, which I believe sort of sit at its own lunch table. That's just always the way that I, you know, people have a tendency to want to put college athletics in one of the other silos. Well, it's not like other amateur sports that are obviously amateur. And it's not quite like full-fledged professional sports either because, you know, most of the players who play even major college football don't have any real market value. Uh, uh, you know, most of them couldn't really, you know, command any kind of true free agent contract. Uh, we, we see that kind of taking place here right now. So it's not a full-fledged professional sport in, in kind of the uh, same way. And yet people still kind of want to push it into sort of one of these silos or the other. And I just think that smart people have to sort of make – college athletics in sort of its own category. It's still something sort of like amateurism, even though it generates a ton of revenue because of how popular that it is. But I don't think you want to live in a world in which college football is pushed into, or college athletics, but we'll talk college football here, college football being pushed into just being a minor league for the NFL. Because if you look around, NBA G League, minor league baseball, uh, minor league sports are just not popular. They're just not. They're not money makers. Minor league baseball contracts. No one really watches the G League. We've had all these upstart professional football leagues that can barely even get through a season because somehow, some way, minor league sports are just not popular. And if you work very, very hard to make college football become a professional version of the next step towards the NFL, then some of the residue and stench that kind of plagues other minor league sports, I think you can't help but see some of that eventually creep into college football as well, if you're not careful. So we'll see where this heads next, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, our bandwagon for Georgia basketball did not quite roll on last night the way we wanted it to. Georgia does lose to Alabama, uh, had a big lead, lets it slip away. I mentioned this to our video audience a moment ago, and I'll say this to the larger audience here right now. Here is the one thing I can say about Georgia at the moment. This is pretty clearly the still a very entertaining team to watch. And this is still pretty clearly a team that I think is worth attention, you know, worth a little bit of discussion, but obviously taking that next step in terms of getting the kind of like high-level wins that truly make you 
sort of an NCAA tournament team. That's not quite where Georgia is here right now, but hope is not all lost. Georgia does have another opportunity on Saturday, a home game against South Carolina. This game's already sold out. South Carolina is solidly in the NCAA tournament field based on all these like sort of bracketology projections. Uh, they upset Tennessee the other day. But Georgia's also already beaten South Carolina on the road once this season. They have a chance to get that win. They do. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be happy if they're able to. But this is clearly a, a, a good team working to get better. And obviously in a league like the SEC, the next step towards being a true tournament contender requires beating some pretty high-level competition last night against Alabama. Just not quite able to get that done. But we certainly wish them well as they move on and get ready to play the South Carolina Gamecocks coming up on Saturday. <laughs> And as we say goodbye to you here today, handful of golden shoes on our way out the door. We'll go ahead and show you the first one here. Uh, uh, Fletcher Proctor, our buddy, writes in on this. I'd kind of laughed the other day about Tennessee cheating in all these sports, despite the fact they really don't have much in the way of success. So Fletcher uses that to send the meme. You see The Rock there saying, we're really an everything school. That's what Tennessee likes to say, good at everything. The response back is 1998, last national championship football, no Final Fours in men hoops, and zero College World Series trophies. Then you see The Rock looking stunned there. Very funny use of that name by Fletcher Proctor. Certainly worthy of a golden shoe there on that. How about our next one here there as well? Frankie Fibonacci, who likes to go, one of our YouTube commenters, likes to go back and forth with one of the Alabama fans in our comment section, sharing this uh, graphic that says an Alabama draft pick has never scored in a Super Bowl. Hashtag Golden Shoe Frankie says, certainly worthy of that. Anytime you can make fun of Alabama, that'll always get you straight to the front of the line. So good stuff from Frankie, taking a little jab there at our buddy G. Grace. And then finally, big news coming out of the University of Georgia yesterday that alcohol will now be, at least beer anyway, beer and seltzer, will now be sold in Sanford Stadium in the fall of 2024. Connor Riley writing that story at dognation.com. Paul Herndon checks in to say, well, guess what? We now know where the NIL funding issue uh, is going to, how it's going to be taken care of there at the University of Georgia. Plenty of money perhaps being made on all of that as uh, dog fans have some reason to toast and cheer inside of uh, Sanford Stadium here this fall. We'll give Paul a golden shoe there for that there as well. Lousy stinking gators. I don't know if they sell beer in uh, the swamp or not, but if they do, that's a reason for Florida fans to drown their sorrows because it's been 1181 days since the lousy stinking gators have beaten Georgia. That is our gator hater updater. We'll see all of you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Thar.